Jai Guru, everyone. Jai Guru. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of Awake, the Life of Yogananda podcast. Last week, we had an episode with Walter. We were talking about the yugas, and now we are back to the minutes. And it's minutes. What minute are we on, Priyank? 28. 28. Fantastic. And this time, we are... We talked about, so Yogananda, he basically um, came to America. We talked a lot about him meeting Sri Yukteswar and the meeting of a guru. And now he has all this preparation. He became the Swami. And now he is in the States. He's in Boston. And he's Good spending... Strange, a strange jump, wasn't it? It was like he was, mm-hmm. they were in, um, he was in the ashram. He was describing like, you know, uprooting every, you know, thing out of my... <laughs> all that stuff and then they just suddenly jumped so it's like that artistic lighting because we've already had like him landing in the US like I don't know how many minutes ago and then this has now gone back and then back back again yeah they so, intertwine those two stories and they jump back and forth a little bit in the movie yeah what do you think about that I, I, reviewing it as as we're analyzing it, it makes it very difficult to be honest because <laughs> it doesn't follow like a set chronological order we have to go back and forth i see what they're doing because i feel like the the two things they they make sense in combination so he gets prepared for america um and then they show how his preparedness pays off once he is there once he goes to boston um you kind of see him um doing this one talk and i'm not sure what his plan was you know when he went to boston did he think i will stay there now for the next in america for the next 15 years is that was that the idea because he basically goes under the pretense that he will speak at this congress of religious liberals and then possibly go back i mean he got a big check from his dad which allowed him to stay a bit longer but staying for that long um that kind that kind of is something that probably happened over the time or i'm sure it was a divine plan all all along anyways what do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, I guess looking at who Yogananda is, you know, he's going to have some kind of foresight, isn't he, as to his endeavors there. I think he, although somewhat reluctantly, you know, he wanted to stay in, in India and, and do his uh, practices there. Um, he had visions and so on and so forth that uh, I think we can get into. There's some nice quotes uh, in there, but uh, in the autobiography. So he could see a life. Uh, that was going to be quite established um, for himself there. But in terms of how they cover it, it's it's not easy. Is it? It's you know you're talking about quite an in-depth, complex story of um, events that need to be kind of explained before they're before they're kind of laid out fully. So you know I, I don't mind it too much, but um, I think for us it's going to be different knowing a lot more about the story than it is about the, you know somebody watching that for the first time. So I, I think some artistic license in there. Uh, yeah for, for us covering it obviously we've, we've had a chat just before this call like so do, do we do we go into detail on this first or you know do we break this up so it's a little bit more tricky um so i totally um, agree oh yeah go go priyank just a one big quick comment this um this section we're talking about him being in boston um so it's on page like 407 of the autobiography of yogi of of which you know, it's a 600, just shy of a 600 page book. So two thirds of the way in. And he literally defined, he talks about being in Boston. And then he says, okay, and then in 1924, then I went to LA and then in 1925, I was in LA. So literally in one, two paragraphs, four years have just passed. And that is where I think we should uh, focus some of our efforts. And really it's it's really good because a movie fills in that gap, doesn't it? Of... uh, the you know his his time in firstly when he landed in in Boston and now it talks about some of his lecture tours and things like that so we'll talk about that I suppose Mike I I I see what you mean and that's a really good point that he put so much so little emphasis on Boston in the in the book I feel like it's also because he was like finding he was exploring the United States a little bit and Boston was geographically just I mean back then people didn't fly today you can probably jump on an airplane in Delhi and get out in LA and all good, right? But back in the day, um, you went to Boston and 
his message was uh, to be spread in the West, right? So he might as well have been Boston, right? Um, and so he, he did learn some valuable lessons of how to spread mes a message in America as opposed to India, which is quite different, I would say, right? In India, you probably had this very receptive audience that are used to going to a spiritual leader, to a guru. He would talk about self and life energy, maybe, and those kind of things. And that is uh, vocabulary that they all have. And now he goes to America. And it's a more <clears throat> materialistic, capitalistic society where it's all about being uh, successful and famous. And now he has to go in there and spread his message. And he's not the one who goes there to say, oh, I, I use my Indian ways and they just have to follow me. He, he adapts his ways to the West to an extent. What do you think? Um, let me throw one more thing in there. They show a beautiful picture of him standing next to a huge billboard where it says free lectures by Swami Yogananda. And I believe the word life force control is in there, which is, um, uh, I would say, a marketing uh, term for, for his uh, teachings. What do you think about that, Priyank? Yes, that's a very interesting point you raised there. So looking at that poster, he's had to obviously attract people to coming to his lectures in Boston and also New York because he jumped between the two and he, he established two um, two areas, two sanghas actually, one in Boston, one in New York City and um, and he also went to Philadelphia as well. So these are the kind of posters he put so he's like just, just reading it uh, he says like he calls himself a renowned lecturer and educator and psychologist from India concentration and life force is the um, topic so I, I did a quick search on um, on Google and and the use of words like um, life force and it's quite interesting because up till 1940 I'd say it was very little used in literature and newspaper and all those kind of things and then it spikes so we see I think what we see here is you're going to end up tapping into something that's language that's probably ahead of his time and then obviously it, it strikes a chord in the hearts and minds of the uh, the good people of the United States of America and then it starts shooting up and we now we we use a life force quite often and people without any knowledge of uh, Hinduism and that kind of stuff kind of can des describe what life force might be can't they and obviously Yogananda uses it quite often absolutely yes. I I feel like the the kind of he was a total trailblazer, and I can only imagine how that was in his time. What do you think about that, Chris? I was just thinking, you know, when did the Star Wars movies come out? Because it probably would have <laughs> life force, uh, you know, really hit home <laughs> for the majority of people in the Western world after that. No, um, I, I think you guys like what, what you're saying is pretty pretty spot on. Um, we can't really uh, take it out of context too much, and you know, we should look at the fact Yogananda had a large, a long, long trip to get to uh, the United States in the first place, not knowing the language. And he probably spent a few years really settling in, finding his feet in, in a sense. There's a, a quote here on um, in the autobiography of uh, a yogi. Um, as you mentioned, Mike, due to, due to his father's generous check, he was able to, to remain in America for after the Congress was over for uh, four happy years. Uh, and he uh, spent that in humble circumstances in Boston. And he gave public lectures, taught classes. He wrote a book on po uh, of poems, the songs of the soul. Uh, and and it, I guess that's him really teeing himself up for what's to come, uh, becoming familiarized with you know what exactly the American public um, are looking for and how he can best uh, reach them. So yeah, he's probably doing his uh, his, his research, so to speak, over the four years. Um, just, just with respect to what you just said about living in uh, humble circumstances, he also doesn't, um, the, in, in the biography of, of Yogananda that um, Mr. Goldberg writes, he, he's written, um, despite some successes, he said in a speech, Yogananda said in a speech 20 years later, I experienced troubles of every kind and went through periods of greatest poverty when we didn't, when we hadn't enough food sorry, when we hadn't enough to buy food, we would fast for a few days. And then one day, it was in 1924, I knelt down and asked God and the masters, why have you brought me to America? I felt 
that I was not fully accomplishing my mission and I asked for their guidance. The answer came and then a vision in which I saw myself in LA. So obviously that, that so it was very, very difficult. Uh, he doesn't mention this, but he went through some pretty difficult financial, uh, financial struggles in that time in terms of uh, food even, it would appear. Yeah, and I think there are some notable followers in, in Boston, like Dr. Lewis's. Um, and I think, I believe he stayed um, with them for a while at least. Um, they, I think they lived in a, I went to Somerville, Massachusetts um, a few years back and uh, I think they had a house on, it was called Electric Avenue and he stayed in a small room in the attic or something for, for some time. And uh, one of the things that I remember is he came back to Boston uh, many years later um, and then he, the, the Lewis's back then, the financial situation had completely changed and they wanted to host him in a very luxurious way, as opposed to the way that he was staying in when he first came. And I guess that's kind of <laughs> to do with the memories he made in the beginning. You know, we're we're talk, talking a lot about time here, aren't we? You know, he's, he spent four years here, you know, he arrived in 1920. And I suppose that in its most simplest form is maybe the reason why, you know, he, he's spent four years, maybe the timing wasn't quite right. And that um, he did make, need to make these connections in Boston to enable uh, what actually unfolded in, in Los Angeles, which is obviously how, how it happened really. He says himself that it was with the help of large hearted students uh, by the end of 1925, he established the, the headquarters in LA. So. Yeah, timing is everything. And I suppose we don't really know how the dots are connected until we kind of look back right on our lives. So yeah, um, Yogananda is obviously showing us how it's done and doing his atonement in, in, the, in the interim. To, to bring his point home a little bit, uh, how, how different Boston was for him and how a bit lost he felt. Um, I like how in the movie they show this this um, scene of of Boston. I think you see some people walking across a railway track, and then you see a streetcar going through the inner city. And um, I'm not sure this this must have been quite a different um, pace of life in Boston than than what he was used to. And he got um, he got kind of eased into into the the American lifestyle. In Boston, I guess. Um, there is a there is a, a quote here, Priyank, uh, about uh, a letter yeah. uh, that Yogananda wrote to Dr. Lewis. Read it. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Why don't you read that? Because this also highlights um, mm -hmm. not just not. I don't. We don't. We don't want to focus too much about money, but it highlights the struggles and how Yogananda managed those struggles. So we talked about previously about mm -hmm. food and they used to fast. But this letter here talks a little bit about management and his style. So, Mike, do you want to read that? The highlighted sure. Letter? A letter Yogananda wrote to Dr. Lewis on January 7th reveals a managerial attention to detail that would shock most sannyasis. After thanking the doctor for a mo monetary contribution and a promised loan to further the work, he seeks clarity in the weeds. I think you are right in your suggestion of printing 3,000 Yogoda but I want to know right away how long it will take to print 3,000 and whether $165 would be taken from $800 plus 500 or 1,300 or 300 plus $200 already deposited in my bank. He also asks about interest rates and terms of payment and concludes typically on a motivational note saying he is pleased with how things have gone in Boston and imploring him to move forward. <laughs> oh wow so it's like the, he's very much on top of the, the the monetary situation there and he cares he cares a lot of how the money is spent minute this is the minutest detail it would appear isn't it yes um yeah so that's the, i thought that was really interesting because because he wouldn't have had a secretary, would he? <laughs> like we, we obviously when he was, you know, in LA, his mother sent was there. We had, you know, lots of. He would have had hundreds of volunteers, and one of them would have been an accountant. But he had mm -hmm. to play the role as guru accountant. 
secretary, all you know, bank clerk, for, you know, <laughs> going to the bank, writing checks, withdrawing money, all that's just errands. Just himself would have had to have done. Um, was he <laughs> accompanied at this point by Dirananda already, or would he? Yeah, so would he, he came, drop in occasionally. Yeah, How did that yeah, work? Yeah, so Dirananda came um, at about this time to um, mm -hmm. at uh, Yogananda's request to come and help. So, in in fact, in some um, some talks, he actually Dirananda would actually co Swami Dirananda would actually co give some of the talks. So he would actually join him on the stage, and and in in fact, if he if Yogananda was away, he would instruct. Swami Dhirananda to lead a Sangha or even lead a talk himself, which is uh, interesting. This, this kind of makes me, you know, we're talking about the kind of, hum, you know, uh, the humble uh, situations that he, he found himself in, in Boston, um, put it into context and spiritualize it a little bit. We're talking about, you know, an avatar, somebody who's uh, immensely gifted uh, and, and spiritually uh, superior, you know, and to him, I suppose, having, we were talking about the yugas previously, uh, coming up with the Kali Yuga into Dvapara Yuga, this is somebody who's extremely enlightened, you know, this must seem very clunky and, and slow and, like, you know, I, I wonder what it would have been in Satya Yuga's, like, no money would have been actually needed because things might be done in a different way it, it just seems like it's not beneath him but um very very uh very mundane for somebody of his stature to really to really have to, have to do um but there is a great uh, a great quote i've read just before this call on the autobiography of yogi sent from sri yukteswar uh indicating like uh, that uh, he shouldn't use his powers to see peer into others minds and and you know see what's what's going on you know in, in people's thoughts uh, because even god doesn't do that is what sri yukteswar says um and uh, the influence that he would he would be able to have over the common you know man uh would be quite immense uh, if he has these kind of powers so for him to go in and really you know grind out these details is is all the more impressive and gives great discipline and uh, dedication to the cause doesn't it um so yeah, he's just obviously playing the game that we all have to play, <laughs> uh, and he does he does it so well. So absolutely, I th I I think that's what all the avatars do, right? They kind of play the role in their time, just like Jesus must have thought similar things, mm. right? When he was yeah. in the in the in the Kali Yuga, he was like, oh God, they don't even have a ship. Like at least Yogananda <laughs> in the future, he will be able to take a ship to America. I, I'm gonna walk to India by horse cart or something. Like I don't know how he got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he is in Boston. He he does lecture tours and he focuses in the beginning at least. He focuses more on the East Coast, as you said, Priyanka. Um, he's he um, focuses on New York and Philadelphia, like the the Northeast corridor. Um, and he spreads his message and he tries to mix that message a little bit with like what people want to hear with like or in terms of how do you improve your business how do you become a better manager those kind of things and we have some quotes out here do you want to kick us off on one of them yeah so um he obviously had to uh, talk about that um, for example he talked about things like um in in uh, this is in the biography of um uh, by Gold, Phil Goldberg, it's, he says things like, um, you know, I, I I intend to live forever and with everlasting youth and, you know, infinite energy. And that's the kind of thing that um, obviously everyone, especially businessmen that are in their 60s and 70s, that's what, they, that's, what they, that's what they want to hear, isn't it? But also businessmen in their 60s and 70s would not have been able to sit in a slightly tangential topic, would not have been able to sit in a cross-legged you know, full lotus position to meditate. And I wanted to touch on that. So we talked about the language that um, that Yogananda, you know, used and he used, you know, words like life force and modala oblongata and, you know, all those all those things. And he link, linked that to the chakras. And so he linked like physiology to, you know, Eastern sciences. But he also had to, um, as I mentioned, like Westerners aren't used to sitting 
on the floor <laughs> so mm. you had to and but in india when you meditate this is the the asana that you used to meditate is defined you have to sit on the floor this is how you sit spines like this etc and so yogananda i think probably pioneered and he was from what from my research he was the first to actually suggest that you can as long as your spine is straight then you can sit in a chair and similarly um the the in the diksha or the initiation process is always like a guru disciple is is a close knit community close bond and i think and masvidal and uh, varun sonia i think uh, talked about this how like yogananda in some circles even now is seen as like oh he's going too much away from you know the 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 culture and the traditions of of the guru disciple relationship like for example he we you know we have lessons by airmail and um lots of these lots of these students wouldn't would rarely even have the opportunity to meet yogananda even even in those days so there's lots of um discussions about and scholars uh debate uh what how much liberty yogananda has 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 taken in in that respect uh, i don't know what what do you guys feel about that i think he's it's he's liberating the masses so he has to take a liberty to do it doesn't he <laughs> yeah Sorry. yeah Mark. I, I would agree with what you just said, Chris. I I do think there is in the autobiography the the discussion between Lahiri Mahashai and Babaji how he has to adapt the the way of teaching to to um the to the age to the Dwapara Yuga. He mentions a few times that in the descending age Kriya Yoga got lost because of the secrecy of the priests and and. Um, they want to have a more of an open approach. And I feel like the, the lessons, they come from that. I don't know exactly the quote that that um, Lahiri Mahasha used, but he basically wanted to give yoga to all sincere seekers. I think that was kind of the, the caveat he, he threw in there. So, and since um, once you are a sincere seeker, why not have it as a written, um, uh, in written form at home? Um, you could also, like what Priyank just did, I feel like interpreted as meeting the West halfway, I guess, because you just use their means a bit. But I'm not, I'm not sure if that's really the case because it's, uh, there was just this material abundance in America at the time. And, and basically, if, if, uh, if back then India would have been um, in a in a better shape economically, they would probably also had all of those things and maybe they would have made the same decisions. Maybe not sitting on a chair, sitting on a chair, that's like a, a cultural thing, I guess. <laughs> I, must, I must say, I'm so, I'm so glad that he uh, allowed it because me, even for me to sit for an hour on the floor, my leg is, is dead. <laughs> my ankle feels like it's going to explode, even for me. And I, I've been, even I've been doing it since I was a child. So I can't imagine uh some of you guys <laughs> I, I remember each time i went to india the, there was um when i went to meditation group there the most of the times there weren't any chairs um and then luckily sometimes they had cushions because I, that's kind of what makes it easier for me but then also sometimes they meditate on a stone floor um for like hours with just a cushion and i'm like that's if you if the, that's basically how you lose the body consciousness that's how you go yeah. you, you, you can't think about the body anymore it's, it's too painful but you you touch you touch yeah. on a good point mike about about the yugas again and it's our favorite subject now, i think um it mightn't simply have been possible to, to do this because of the let's say resistance in the prevailing consciousness of mankind you know he was coming in in the 1920s and doing these things and the uh, Kali Yuga would have really just finished in the in the cosmic scale so he's, he's really just coming in to implement this in a timely fashion isn't he uh, so it's you know you can stick to the old-fashioned ways of years gone by but you're talking about lesser times this was more recently in the Kali Kali Yuga so it's really just natural progression is, is it not you know when we look at the cosmic scale Absolutely. As we learned in our last episode, there isn't just the yugas, there's also the sandhis, right? And so mm -hmm. if you if you go, it, it kind of works 
quite well. So if you, you say in the year 1700 that Vapara Yuga started, then you add 150-year Sandhi on top of it, you're like 1850. And when did Sri Yukteswar get uh, Kriya Yoga? Was it 1860s, something like that? So pretty, pretty timely after the Sandhi ended, mm -hmm. Kriya Yoga was yes. given to the yeah. masses. Yes. They incarnate at this time to, to, to do what they're mm -hmm. doing, you know, to, to break through the, the times. Just as mm -hmm. Jesus was talking about, you know, there's going to be a time when we're moving into a different era, a different age, and, you mm -hmm. know, you've got Yogananda coming to execute on that quite nicely. So, yeah. Nice. Chapter close. All right. One, yeah. uh, one, more, one more thing um, before we mm -hmm. move on. So the other, the other thing that uh, Phil Goldberg also says in his biography is that he, Yogananda really used this time to define and experiment with what works with the audience. So obviously he did this whole tour of, you know, lectures and then he explored topics that people are, you know, people are into, but also the establishment of, you know, the lessons and things like that. So for example, he says, um, the pattern Yogananda established in Boston continued in New York. So in Boston, he says there was free public lecture tours. Um, and then they were followed by a series of classes, 12 if later courses are a guide. And then that's $25. And then that apparently that is how much in today's money? $350 in today's money. So then so then apparently the type the talk, the title of the talks would be just things like uh, a tangible cosmic consciousness, the power of will, death and immortality, and during Easter, things like spiritual baptism. So um, yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting that this is the time that he used um, to establish what later then became the formal lessons that we sign up for now and now we can get them on our iPads and phones and this is this is really this is where they were born I suppose and mm. it was unique isn't it uh, Masvidal was saying that this was this method of uh, distributing lessons uh, was was like completely new and revolutionary didn't he? he said that he told us that in the thing i'm not sure if he did that yet but that's obviously where he would have experimented especially liaising with students um, in distant cities mm -hmm. yeah we you know the western world and in the u.s infamously used the plane to stick a bomb stick an atomic bomb in it and uh, and dropped it whereas you is using the plane to stick you know beautiful lessons of spirituality and, and dropping love. different types of bombs Dropping, dropping spiritual bombs, isn't he? <laughs> he was dropping spiritual bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, not sure if I like that metaphor, but then continued on dropping those spiritual bombs all over the country and went on um, lecture tours that were not just the Northeast, but he basically toured the country. And you see some beautiful images in the movie then. You see one image where he was sitting by a lake. And then there's this famous picture where like a little bear cup comes up to, the, to his car. I believe this is Yosemite uh, National Park. Um, and, he, and he looks back into the camera. It's an epic shot. What do you guys think? Absolutely Playful, epic. Really epic, yeah. I love everyone loves bears as well. So this is like a baby yeah. bear. So like it doesn't get much better, does it? And and, <laughs> and Yogananda is in his turban. So and I love shots where Yogananda is in his turban. I think they've got a completely different uh, feel to them. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he almost looks at home, doesn't he? And he's looking back with that twinkle in his eye, mm. you know, and and he's in in harmony with uh, with his little cub. Um, probably reminding him of, of more of the nature that he had back in India. Feels like um, we would uh, metaphorically we are that uh, cub, you know, trying to <laughs> latch latch onto that uh, car that he's on, and he, and you're gonna just kind of stopped, and he's like, yeah, you know, hop <laughs> on board, I'll take take me away. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pass yeah. this way out of you, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, then you hear in the movie, it continues with Chitananda making this remark that he says um, that, that he hasn't found the right place yet. So his message was received in Boston, but it wasn't taking off in the way that he imagined it to. And he 
uh, figured out that it was because he wasn't in the right place. And then um, where does he go, Priyank? So he apparently decided, as you mentioned, he wanted to take a, he wanted to go to LA, but he decided to go on a road trip. So during that road trip, he went and you know talked at various places. Um, but it was very interesting to note, and uh, I don't know if it come up later in the movie, but very important character in the history of Self-Realization Fellowship, a, a chap called um, Muhammad Rashid. And he, you won't know anything about him, I imagine, but he's an Indian man that who was on board with him in the city of Sparta. No doubt he would have been a Muslim with that, with that name. So he would, he, he's in this time in Boston and uh, New York City, that he managed to keep in contact with this chap. And Muhammad um, basically agreed to be his like coordinator and like um, just general secretary um, and he he accompanied so he accompanied Yogananda with with on this road trip to LA and doing all these tours and he would um, uh, Phil Goldberg describes that um, Muhammad Rashid would go ahead of the group that Yogananda's with and Yogananda was two with two other Americans and obviously going through the Central American states at those at that time would have been uh, quite an experience not just in terms of uh, their raw beauty but also their amount of racism and other things that he would have experienced because this was at the time height of you know Ku Klux Klan time that was still um, still very big at that time so perhaps those western uh, white white people were kind of acting as security guards I don't know but Muhammad would go ahead of the the party and and plan these things and then and then Yogananda would get there and everything's all planned for him very nice and proper and interestingly it says that the preferred accommodation or for for them during this road trip was camping so they would have stopped in some remote places and no doubt that also would have been financially the reason why they financially would have made more sense for them to camp as opposed to stay in expensive um, hotels i'm sure you know cheap motels weren't a thing <laughs> motel 666 wherever it wasn't was it a thing back then <laughs> i I'm, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the racism part because I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie The Green Book, but mm -hmm. it, it's basically um, a movie about a jazz pianist from New York who, who became quite famous. It's based on a real story. And then he does a tour of the South. And back then there was complete segregation in the South. So The Green Book was like a, basically a guide where people of color were allowed to stay because they were not allowed to stay in regular motels. And this is that same time in which Yogananda toured the country. So you can imagine um, maybe camping was just the best choice. Interesting. Yeah, regardless. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not just expense then, just actually being able to stay. <laughs> yeah, those were very different times. It was that, and he, I love about Yogananda that he hardly describes the hardships he went through to give us those teachings and establish this. this yeah, um, he just went from one paragraph, work. one paragraph in Boston <laughs> to another in LA. And then in a couple of paragraphs later, they you know, established, you know, established Mount Washington. But we're going to go through that in the next minute, how, how that exactly came about, because it's quite a, quite a journey, you would say, as, 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 it, as it has been, no doubt, for you listeners to have gone through this minute up to now that we've gone through yes and um is it picture time can we go through some of the pictures yeah, that they yeah. showed about why not um we're not gonna talk that much about him being in la that will be in the next episode but they show some interesting pictures about what california was like at the time the first one is a famous hollywood sign but it says hollywood land um what did you uh, think about that, Chris, when you saw that? Well, I, I know <laughs> we talked about this briefly before, didn't we? Um, the Hollywood land, uh, we know it as Hollywood. Uh, so uh, you, you guys maybe know a little bit more about this, Mike, than I do. But uh, I just know they hit the Hollywood um, supposed, supposedly connections uh, to the Hollywood um, tree. And, you know, there's whether it's just a conspiratorial thing or not, I have no idea. Feel free to correct me on this. The Hollywood tree was was used to carve out um, wands or something in back in the Druid days in Europe, uh, and 
yeah, I don't know if that's connected to Hollywood at all, but uh, there's the spell that Hollywood casts <laughs> over us to to kind of mesmerize <laughs> us to watch watching. Chris, I, I knew movies. I knew you were a tree hugger, but I didn't think you were a pagan witchcraft uh, wizardry <laughs> person as well. I'm I'm Celtic. I'm Celtic, so the so the druids clearly have some connection to my to my blood. Uh, <laughs> Chris's school of witchcraft and wizardry. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. I need to research that now. I didn't even know there was yeah. a, a Hollywood tree. That's probably probably better things to research, I guess. Than that. But <laughs> that's the only thing I, I know. But yeah, you, you maybe know more about the Hollywood land than I do, Mike. I'm intrigued mm. now. Mm. Interestingly, I, um, I, was, I was at a vegan festival recently, and then there's this tree called, um, I think, Palo Santo in, in Ecuador. And they use this um, tree, they use oil from this tree, and it's supposed to be really good for healing and stuff like that so no doubt there's uh you know back back in the day we were much more uh, in tune with uh, use of natural resources for herbal remedies and uh, everything and that's been lost through the ages <laughs> that knowledge uh, we're just going to keep quoting that thank god we've done the yuga episode now we can just keep saying go back to the episode now for more information on lost civilizations <laughs> <laughs> that's good I mean, I'm, I'm always a bit skeptical when I hear those. I mean, I, I, I believe in natural remedies, but I also believe that um, the, the kind of medieval time remedies, they were usually not really remedies. So the, the, the level of knowledge was very limited back then. So I wouldn't count on it being. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking much longer way, much longer back. Because like the American, the Native American Indians, how long have they been in the... America's for thousands of years, no doubt. Perhaps, sure. perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps from the previous yuga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, Yogananda talks about being healed just by looking at a picture of uh, of Lahiri Mahesha. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's what's possible? Is it the is it the input or the output? You know, is it the taking the picture of Sri Yukteswar or um, Mahesha, sorry, uh, and really believing, really having faith that it that they are there in spirit with you. And is it your input of what you put into the, the things, or you know, we, if we can manifest our own realities, if we the placebo effect is that what really amplifies these things or not? Who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, Sri Yukteswar. I think it's in the Holy Science where he talks about this civilization that where their healthcare is basically all done through diets and the only medication they use are ointments, right? Um, mm. And I'm, I, I feel like this is kind of where we should be heading um, enable the body to heal itself. But I think we're getting massively sidetracked here from, <laughs> from the Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood land. This, at least you this, started. This, this, started. This, this is a good tangent compared to where we could have gone, which is like celebrities and all that rubbish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not us, man. We're we're not we're not the TMZ crowd here. We're more like the alternative healing people. Yes. Yeah. So I think the 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 Hollywood land is is just um back then that that was the the letters that were there and and they were um, renovated a few times and 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 rearranged and everything and at some point when they redid them they just left the land out because actually the town is called hollywood and mm -hmm. the, that, that kind of made sense and it's cool that it's still there even today it's like a real landmark and there's like a hiking trail up there so you can actually go there really near to the letters and was it selfie you? or was it chris like i think mike you were telling me that they've like boarded it off was it you they've like really um, fenced it off and like if you mm -hmm. honor yeah, it was it was vandalized my, a few times. My cousin was telling me. So like when they, yeah. they were kids, when he lives there, he lives near the sign. And when they were kids, they would uh, go on, they'd climb the fence and like sit on the sign and stuff. And apparently like it's really serious. Like the police helicopters come and stuff like that <laughs> when, <laughs> when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, times have changed. Yep, then we have a few more pictures. So the next one is a bunch of oil rigs. And I think that kind of points to one of the reasons why California became so big because of um, petroleum that was found in the area. And even today, 
like um, a few miles from here, there is a mall in, in Beverly Hills. And when you go down to the parking garage, you see oil rigs pumping there still, even today. Mm -hmm. So we're like sitting on, on oil fields. Like if you go down to Orange County or Santa Barbara, you look at the ocean, you see oil platforms. Like this is like still big business here, maybe not as big as it used to be. Um, but I can imagine back in, that, in those days, that was the time when big money came into California and a lot of, a lot of um, jobs were created in the petroleum industry. And that was probably one of the reasons why it grew next to the movie business. Yeah. I wonder what Jürgen Anders thought about all the, you know, the hustle and bustle about the industrial age. I wonder if he kind of, sort of saw the damage that it was, it was going to do uh, to, to the planet. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't have any reference to this, but uh, there was obviously a lot of advancement at that time. Maybe he, mm -hmm. maybe he did uh, know a little bit about it, like this is a phase that humanity goes through and then they kind of shake it off before they realize greater potentials. But uh, it would be interesting to know. Yeah, I would, I would agree with what you just said, that he would basically go unattached through this, um, like saying it, it is a phase. I mean, the, I'm, surely the, I'm sure the, the, the ship he was on was probably a ship that went on oil or on, on coal or whatever. And that was just how it was back in the day. I don't think he ever complained about, like, that's not something he does, right? He doesn't complain like, oh, this is such a low age, look what we're doing. And yeah. he just, um, he was always on the side of progress. And I, I think if he was there today, he would still be, right? He would still say, okay, this is the old, this is the new, and more in a context of this is kind of how this world works. It keeps mm -hmm. keeps moving into one direction. Maybe maybe that's why I mentioned so little about Boston, because mm -hmm. he <laughs> didn't want to complain. But he does say that, doesn't he? he? You know, he says, you know, if you don't have anything good to say, kind of bite your tongue, you know, don't better not to say the words than, than uh, have, <laughs> have, you know, nasty, nasty things kind of come out, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I think early, earlier in the movie you hear this um, where he he go he's in Boston and he reads the sign hot dogs and then he goes like oh God why do you bring me in this country where they eat dogs right? That's for <laughs> so comical value though as well. Isn't even it? he has his yeah. limits, right, of what he's yeah. willing to accept. Perfectly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, he didn't get sent to China then. It would have actually been parts of China. And then we have one last picture, which is, I can clearly identify Charlie Chaplin on there. I would say maybe Greta Gabor in the middle, and I don't know who the third chap is, but this kind of points at the, the movie business. And, and there is some, some of those people who are famous in Hollywood later become his disciples and maybe also help him spread the message. Do you guys know much about mm -hmm. this? I, of course, we, we sometimes talk about um, George Harrison and people like that. Um, but mm -hmm. do you, I think Elvis Presley came to Mother Center a few times, even though he, he was a bit later. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you guys know too much about this kind of celebrity connections that he had at this time. Not so much at that time. Um, was, it, was it us that we were talking about Elvis Presley uh, really desperately wanting Korea uh, was on on the podcast that we were talking about that that he actually went in with somebody else um, and offered a large sum of money to be initiated into Korea and uh, Sri Daima said no you know it wasn't going to happen no matter how much how much money was involved and it just kind of struck a chord with me there like well I guess in Hollywood. You know, with, with the nature, of, you know, the fast-paced nature of the place, people would have been looking for shortcuts, like uh, maybe Elvis and others. Uh, so there would have been a lot of kind of delicate management in there as well. Um, but that's that's all I know. I, I know there's obviously one or two key people. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm I, sure he probably would have been discretionary about it. I, I know who the his first celebrity disciple was. His first, according to Phil Goldberg, not that um, that dance, that opera singer, but mm. this this other. Well, according to Phil Goldberg, 
part of um, when he was in Philadelphia, he was giving the, the talk and um, and uh, in his first lecture, in the large public library, the Philadelphia orchestra conductor, Leopold Stokowski was there. And apparently Phil Goldberg says that the maestro is Yogananda's first celebrity devotee. Um, conductors of major orchestras having something akin to rock star status in those days. And apparently in 1924 print run of the Yogoda booklet, it has this blurb from Stokowski beneath one of Alvin Hunziker, the president of the standard textile products. And he says, music is vibration and all life is vibration. Yogananda has profound knowledge of this and of concentration and of charging the body with vitality. I have learned much from him. <laughs> nice. So that was his uh, um, impression from celebrities, I suppose, back in the day. Yeah, I feel like that, that was, there's always a, this kind of connection, like when you are, when you are, when you have this earthly success, then a, a lot of the things you um, feel like that should have been manifested, like um, you are successful, you have money, now you think you are entitled to eternal happiness, and it's not there, then you, a lot of those become seekers then. I feel like there's something like that happening to a lot of people who, are, who come to fame and then and then try to manage it like that mm. even today <laughs> there's there a story was it Priyank you, you saw somebody famous in the London center uh and you so um I don't know do, do you say the names but uh there's obviously seekers right and people seeking the truth uh you, you don't remember I can't remember that <laughs> Who he's are you referring very, to? I'm he's sure a very you very famous comedian, oh. London comedian, I Russell Brand. Oh, was he there? Was, okay. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, I think you said you kind of went up and spoke to him, and he was like, "Look, just don't tell people I'm here. I don't want people knowing." And uh, it must be difficult for you know on the other side of things for famous celebrities who you would recognize in the street. Brian clearly wasn't that interested. Yeah, that, I don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I don't think that, that must be Priyanka, perhaps. Maybe, uh, yeah, I, I uh, need to rummage your memory back. But I uh, think I have, I recall someone telling me that, that as well, yeah. Yeah, it might not be me. Um, yeah, but he didn't did leave a lasting shows. impression on Priyank. You know, yeah. you know what would be really crazy right now? Like, if like in a few weeks I see Russell Brand in there, and then like I think that I actually have to say this to someone. So, Chris, you were for foreseeing the future. Foreseeing the future. Yeah, or I'd that... like to say so, but it's definitely, <laughs> definitely me just getting mixed up. I can see Russell Brand walking up to Priyank and say, "Hey, Priyank, uh, do you remember me?" And Priyank was like, "Who are you?" Yeah, should we should we tag should we tag him in this episode? <laughs> we get get one show. That'd be amazing. He, he is very open to you know spirituality and kind of you know breaking new ground for so many people who aren't open to spirituality, but they have such personas that they need to maintain. It must mm. be quite delicate for them to get involved, especially at that time with something like this. Uh, you know with you know, talking about life trons and life force and, the, you know, the nature of God being in your spine and, you know, these kind of things. Even even in this day and age, I, I talk to certain members of my family, they might think I'm crazy with this stuff, that I'm, you know, kind of saying, look, these are the teachings and this is why I do what I do. Um, but back then, you're, you're talking about nearly 100 years. Uh, it would have been potentially, you know, um, how would you call it, uh, you know, uh, career suicide for, for some of these people to be involved in, in these circles. So fair play to anybody who did get involved and who is getting involved, who is in the public public uh, public eye, because uh, they come under a lot more scrutiny than what we do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I listen to his podcast sometimes. It's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, the guest he has on and himself as well. Like his life has taken quite a turn and... Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm. I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, he shares. He shares my left wing ideals, uh, and he's very left wing. So it's quite interesting quite, to see yeah. how he articulates. Oh, it's, a big, his... it's a big coming out now. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after. Talk after. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In our new we, political podcast, we don't. Yes. We don't want to lose our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> You're the devotee listeners with left wing talk. 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we just talked about the Satya Yuga and you know, would they even have money in, in, in that? And how does that come into political spheres? I, I would suggest- Controversial. Just, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> everything's, everything's blown out of the water, right? No less, no right, it just is. So. I I think this is this is like something that is also a sign of the time right now. This extreme polarization, and um, like if someone can just come up and and um, just bring everybody back together again, you know, instead of saying I'm left, I'm right, I'm I'm a human, I want to bring people together, I love everybody, and this kind of feeling is kind of what people are waiting for. I feel at the moment, mm. and yeah. If you guys are those, then maybe you can become famous <laughs> like that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think this this wraps up minute twenty eight. Do you guys have anything to add to the to the minute still? No. Nope. No, we we have. Uh, I think as we mentioned, maybe more of a similar uh, minute coming up next next minute where we're, we're going to talk a little bit a little bit more about LA. Um, mm -hmm. But there was, uh, I suppose, just some <clears throat> teasers. Uh, you know, Yogananda throughout his uh, uh, time with Sri Yogateshwar had um, moments of visions, you know, of seeing mm -hmm. seeing uh, images of, of dwellings uh, that you would have in the future. And there was just a passage in uh, the uh, autobiography of the yogi where uh, the ever, um, let's say, uh, piercing uh, Sri Yogateshwar was, was uh, looking at um, Yogananda when he was meditating and he sort of scolded him to say hey you know you're not you're not uh, you're not focusing um, and uh, uh, Yogananda was saying like, yes yes I'm focusing I am and um, you, you know Sri Yogeshwar turned around and said well no your mind is is off uh, imagining uh, these three distant uh, distant uh, or you know these these th three three homes of yours sort of thing um, and this goes on throughout you're going to have this lifetime. Uh, and as you mentioned, Priyanka, earlier on, yes, he did have a vision uh, when he deeply prayed when he was in Boston as to why, you know, why he was there and was he making the right progress. So he was having these visions of, of um, places where he would you know, establish spiritual uh, uh, dwellings. And, and uh, one of them was in LA. So yeah, we, we can talk more about that in the next minute. Do you want to give a, a quick peek in what, what building in LA he saw? <laughs> you, you, you're more familiar with it than uh, uh, myself or maybe what? Brianne, like would certainly be Mount Washington no doubt yeah exactly yeah he saw Mount Washington he, he, he saw another building in California as well but we'll talk about this another time <laughs> <laughs> yes alright all right. 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 see you next time Jai Guru. Jai Guru. thank you <laughs>